I'm Brenna, a certified sex expert and sex coach who is passionate about human sexuality, female empowerment, and helping people develop the sex life of their dreams. I'm Brian, certified relationship coach, eager to share my unique relationship experiences along with a rich history of sexuality to coach you through your personal journey. And you're listening to Sex on Your Terms. Setting limits in a non-monogamous relationship is important, especially between you and your partner, although the limits that you set with the types of people you'll play with, the types of interactions you want to have, etc., is equally as important. We're going to talk about our own hard and soft limits today, how we came to arrive at some of those decisions, as well as how they have evolved over the course of time. Before we get to that today, though, I wanted to share what I thought was a pretty interesting study. So there's a new study that has been published in the journal of sex and marital therapy and it develops three very specific factors that supposedly make women more likely to have sexual desire for a partner okay Okay, i'm in researchers surveyed 662 straight women these are these women identify as straight only who are currently in some kind of a relationship whether it was in a long-term committed or a casual sexual relationship okay okay so the first factor that they list is intimacy okay makes sense obviously feelings of closeness deep involvement and affection for a person that one's obvious got it the second one celebrated otherness this is where it gets interesting celebrated otherness Yes, okay. This term refers to the ability to appreciate your partner as a separate and different entity from yourself. In other words, if a person has personal autonomy in their relationship as opposed to a feeling of fusion or total unity, they're able to see their partner as something exciting and attractive because there's something they don't fully understand or can find in themselves, which I think relates perfectly to non-monogamy. I think it's one of the reasons that non-monogamous relationships can be so successful because you do get to kind of be your own person and you get to see your partner flourish as their own sexual being. Well, I think Okay, there's a lot going on. I got to unpack that for a second because, of course, I'm trying to compare, I'm trying to dissect that in my head in in the moment because you and I did not discuss this ahead of time. But what that sounds like to me, if you're a vanilla couple, you're not a non-monogamous couple, right? Just average guy and gal, monogamous folks. If you're in a situation where you don't have some autonomy, and I've seen those relationships, I've been in those relationships I don't see a lot of longevity in those relationships, certainly not for me. And on the flip side of that, if you are a monogamous couple and you are really operating independently of one another, also issues come up because you become too independent and you don't need your partner necessarily anymore. Don't really look to your partner for the things that you would typically look to your partner for. There's got to be a happy medium. Now, when you talk about non-monogamous folks, I think it's completely different. Those relationships couldn't be more further apart for so many reasons. Well, keep in mind, though, this study is not longevity of relationships or overall satisfaction of a relationship. This is how sexually attracted are you to your partner? Well, yeah. Well, I'm getting to it. So if you are a monogamous couple and you're not connected in such a way that you operate somewhat autonomously... But you, you still find yourself wanting to be with your partner more often than you want to be alone, if that makes sense, or kind of more than you want to be on your own. I think that's really important in a monogamous relationship. And then when you talk about the non-monogamous relationships, for you and I, for example, we 
cherish our time together, but we spend an inordinate amount of time together. And then when we spend time apart, particularly if we're in a situation where we're playing with other people or interacting with other people on a non-monogamous field, the time that we get to spend together afterwards, that reconnection, is that much more valuable to us. So for us, the time apart is really an investment in our time together. Yeah, that's a really good way to look Uh, at it. That's not necessarily the case for monogamous people. And I think that monogamous people tend to want that time apart because they don't necessarily enjoy to the fullest extent their time together. I think that's part of it. I also think, so I'm a huge Esther Perel fan. And if you guys have not listened or read her work, you absolutely should. Her book, Mating in Captivity, talks a lot about this, about how long-term couples... They, there's no risk involved. There's no right. excitement. It's like they spend every, not every waking moment together. Most couples work separately, but in their downtime, they're together and they're constantly making decisions and they're having to adult together all the time. And as a result of that, it's like their worlds just meld together, melt into one another, and there's no excitement left in it. And that's why a lot of long-term relationships have some level of infidelity or a serious lack of overall satisfaction. And I think that that's what this is talking about. If you can find ways to be your own person and appreciate the other person for being different from yourself, it adds a certain level of risk and excitement to a relationship that translates into sexual chemistry. Well, it goes back to why you got together in the first place, right? I mean, you started out as individuals. If you consider a couple a vessel, a unit, 100% togetherness, Prior to you getting together, you were individuals, and something about that individual drew you to them. So naturally, the things about that your partner that make them an individual, you should find attractive, provided that's genuinely why you got together, that those things were attractive to you to begin with. So to not want your partner to have some freedom, I mean, you and I just talked about this. We just came back from the gym, we went and got a cup of coffee, and you and I were having a conversation about potentially meeting someone tonight. You were under the impression that I was meeting a single guy for myself when, in fact, it was actually someone who was going to be, we were going to meet for you. And I was all excited. I was like, yes, go meet someone. I'm going to have a self care night. I'm going to masturbate. I'm going to do all these things for myself. You're like, no, 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 it's for you. And you're going to cut, like, the three of us are going to sit down. Right. And yeah, immediately I was like, okay, I'm not quite as interested. (laughs) So naturally, right away, I said, well, that I can actually meet someone tonight for myself. We'll put the other thing on the back burner so you can have your night alone and I can go out and, you know, and interact with somebody and potentially have some fun. So being able to allow your partner to do those things, regardless of whether it's, yeah, I want to stay home and get in a bath and just kind of do my own self-care thing, or I want to go out and, and have some fun with friends or, you know, whatever, you, you need to be able to allow your partner that separation. And I think that when you do those things, you will cherish the time together more. You know, you and I were separated yesterday for a number of hours throughout the day. It was business related, but we were still apart early in the day for about five hours. We genuinely miss each other during that period of time. So we didn't leave each other's side for the rest of the day yesterday, basically. And what happened? We had amazing sex last night, which apparently, according to this study, makes sense because when you see your partner as a separate entity, you are more likely to have sexual attraction to them. Okay, so on to the third one. The third quality that women state as something that they find sexually attractive in other people or other men specifically is object of desire affirmation. So the study found women are particularly inclined to be turned on when they feel they're being viewed as attractive and desirable by another person. And this emerged as being the most significant factor in the three of determining 
female sexual desire, which I think makes perfect sense. Because if you can tell that someone is into you, of course, you're going to be more into them. Yeah, I'm not going to say that this particular study is groundbreaking information, because that just makes all the sense in the world to me. If I feel better about myself, and you you display to me that you feel good about me and, and, and my appearance and how I'm feeling, and if you're giving me those positive affirmations, of course, I'm going to feel that much better about me, which in turn makes you more attracted to me, yes. right? It's that positive energy, right? And yeah, I mean, this is, that just makes all the sense to me. I can tell, I've had multiple times where I can tell that a man is not super into me. He's kind of just going through the motions. I think very specifically when we were still in Cocoa Beach and I went out with this guy, we had a drink. He wasn't really even looking me in the eye. He left me by myself for 15 minutes to go talk to his friends and then still comes back and asks me to go play with him. And I would have been foolish to say yes because I could tell he wasn't super into me. He wasn't reflecting my own self-value back toward me. So I had zero sexual interest at that time. Well, that's also a complete disregard for your respect. It's it, it's a terrible it, way it to behave. It is disrespectful. But in terms of this, like I want someone to lust after me. I want someone to be attracted. I want to be able to tell that someone is imagining me being naked. That's what I want. Uh, listen, we, you and I talk about this a lot on, on our other show on FPS. For me personally, when it comes to being involved with someone physically, and one of the things that absolutely has to be in place for me, whether it is a male or a female or someone that identifies as, as anything else, I have to know that that person is genuinely attracted to me, right? So if I don't feel that, I'm out. I check out. Yeah. Instantly. I'm, I'm completely out. If it's a robotic, mechanical feeling that I get from someone because it's like, well, you and their partner are kind of hitting it off and then this person feels like, you know, they're obligated to oh, yeah, interact with me. yeah, they drove all the way there. We drove the whole 40 yeah. minutes to meet you yeah, guys. We Might through, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Went through <laughs> drinks and dinner. It's like, okay, well, we're here. Nah. We, we did the song and dance, so take your pants yeah, off. Yeah, the dog and pony show is over, so let's get undressed. <laughs> I, I mean, I check out. I instantly pick up that vibe from people, and if I don't believe that you're earnestly interested in me, or you, I even for a, a fraction of the time feel like you're attracted to me, I check out, and I tell them straight up, this isn't a fit, it's not a match, so I appreciate the time and the effort, but this isn't going to work for me. Well, according to the almost 700 women in this study, they feel the exact same way. Because Good. They it should. is the number one determining factor of whether a woman is sexually attracted to a man or not. Well, and listen, I think it's important, particularly for women, because guys, I mean, let's face it, we, <laughs> we deal with a lot of them. And they don't have to be 100% into you. This It's just about a physical kind of connection for them if they want to have sex that's all that matters the 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 vehicle by which they have sex doesn't make a difference at all and that just doesn't work so if you're a gal who is simply going to be quote unquote for me used in a situation unless that's what you want then good for you get out of there and, and uh, know your value know your worth well it's not always about being used some people genuinely like just the carnal act of sex and they don't care who it's with they don't care yes. about the connection and I don't think there's anything wrong with that you should be able to do that if that's your thing yeah I was just communicating with someone today this uh, this morning from last night and as it turns out they prefer the one-off random hey we don't need to know each other kind of thing cool do you 
that's I was, not me. I was just speaking to a woman on Instagram the other day who she only has plays with other people via Reddit, and she does like the random acts Reddit where sure. it is a complete stranger. They don't even exchange names. There are certain safety protocols she sets up, but other than that, they just come in, have sex, and they leave, and they know nothing about each other, and she gets off on that, and that's fine, but this study shows that, of course, that is not the majority of women. No, I imagine it wouldn't be. Anyway, that's interesting. I wouldn't say earth-shattering, but certainly interesting. Yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting. It's, I would guess, very different from the male three that we would see in a study. I'd like to see that. So I would, too. It did not have that attached, so I don't know if the study isn't available. I may need to do some digging on that. They but. probably couldn't put 700 guys together. Couldn't corral them. It's like, it's like you know, hurting mosquitoes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So as mentioned today, we're going to be talking about limits. We're going to obviously talk through some of our own limits, the situations we have found ourselves in based on those limits. And we're going to go from there. Yeah, for sure. We know uh, from experience, we've had uh, a number of different variations of our own personal limits and limits as, as a couple. And they've changed. Some have changed. Some have evolved. Some are steadfast. Absolutely. So for the purposes of this discussion, we're going to be talking about soft limits versus hard limits. And for those of you who are in the kink or BDSM space, these are terms that you've heard many times because soft limits are a lot of times what in negotiation between a top and a bottom or a sub and a dom are the things that you say, "Ah, these are not necessarily things that turn me on or things that I'm interested in doing, but under the right circumstances, I may be interested in doing them. Yeah, I could see my myself participating if all the stars aligned type thing hard limits are these are complete deal breakers they are not going to happen i will not do them let's not talk about it again yep no no need for any further conversation no isn't and someone sent us a message and i really appreciated it because of a of a topic that we were talking about earlier in a couple i guess a couple of weeks ago no is not uh negotiable no is the end of a conversation it is not the beginning of a negotiation yeah it doesn't make it any simpler and I will say that in the beginning, we had a lot of hard and soft limits. Sure. We, I think we did a fantastic job, not necessarily with the first few single guys, because looking back on it, we jumped into the lifestyle so quickly, and we really didn't have a lot of time to talk about limits and interests and all of those kinds of things. But after we got the first few guys out of the way, the first few experiences, we really started setting a lot of limits. Well, the first experience, the very first experience, which was with a single guy i think that one was the exception because i feel like i did a really good job we did a good job in that instance what had happened however is that because we did so well with that and it worked out so well we thought man we've got this we don't we don't need to even talk any further about limits or negotiate like we just knew it we didn't know anything yes yeah we found out very quickly that was not the norm that home run uh, that we hit uh, that was not typical no, yeah, I wish it were. I wish every single experience in the lifestyle was that amazing. But we all know if you're in the lifestyle for any amount of time that that's not how it works. No, human, <laughs> you, listen, there's the human factor. You can't take the human factor out of anything. I do like, though, that in the beginning, we set a lot of limits for each other and for ourselves. Actually, looking back on it, I think I set the majority of the limits on myself. You did. It was a lot of things I am not going to do. I am not going to put up with this and that. And as you move through the lifestyle and we've talked about this many times, a lot of those things started to fall by the wayside. And the great thing about that is we quickly learned which of our limits actually mattered and yep. which were trivial and kind of silly. Well, I think, and we talk to people about this a lot, when it comes to f- just starting out, 
err on the side of caution. Add the limits. Have, have as many hard limits and soft limits, for that matter, as you want. You can always take them away, right? It's like a recipe. You can't remove salt. <laughs> you know, you can you can add it. You can't remove it. So it's okay to start out with a number, a list, uh, or a litany of limits that you can kind of subtract down the road, you know, once you really determine what works for you. Better you err on the side of caution. I think we did a pretty good job of that. So what were some of the soft limits that we had in the beginning that we totally steered away from? Well, to begin with, if you remember, your very first, like when we first started talking about, okay, we're going to meet a single guy and you're going to play with him. It was like, you were only going to do oral. Yeah. That was, no. the, I mean, that was the first, that one. was the first, well, that was the first one. And then you went from that to, well, you know, I'll make out with them and, and then, you know, we'll do some heavy petting kind of thing. And then it's just going to be oral, but I'm only going to provide him oral, not the other way around. Like yeah. you are not prepared to allow anyone to see you naked or to go down on you or anything. <laughs> that was your thing. I mean, think about how far we've come at this point, Yeah, you know, and we, how far we, we came very quickly uh, for that matter. But that was a, that was a limit for you. Yeah, I think another big one that we obviously steered away from was you being there because I wanted you in the room. Yes. And you kind of talked me into, I will be in the next room. I will be within earshot. I will listen, but I'm not going to necessarily be in the same room. And obviously we got further and further away from that. You know, at one point you were in the same house, but in a different part of the house. And then it eventually got to the point where I was completely separate from you, which is where we mostly play now. Yeah. But that soft limit got stretched a lot over time well if you remember the very first of course you remember the very first experience i was in the doorway so i was between the room you were in and an adjacent room yes and then from there it went to well i'm going to be in the next room so that i can hear but i won't be able to see and then it's going to be okay i'm going to be a few rooms away so i'll be able to hear but not exactly everything until like you said eventually i mean now we play almost predominantly separately yeah completely separately unless it's a unique situation with a couple or a single person yeah, well, that's another kind of soft limit that we've set that is completely polar opposite from when we began. Now it's almost our rule, quote unquote, to not play together. Correct. Because we don't love the whole tangled up on the same bed, you know, however many, eight legs. Is that how many? Yeah, <laughs> yeah eight legs. Yeah, typically, <laughs> or more, yeah. Going all over the place, like we just don't like that scenario that atmosphere is not super sexy to us well neither you or i can focus long enough to to not kind of get lost in all of that you know so it doesn't work great for us i if i'm there with you as i've said i've said this many times i want to watch you in which case i'm ignoring someone right that's a terrible feeling i don't like to to be that person and at the same time the experiences that you and I have when we are separate, and we just experienced this literally this past weekend with an amazing couple of our friends. They've just become lifelong friends now. The experiences that you and I have with our friends, like what happened this past weekend, when you and I get back together, of course, we talk about those experiences to some degree when we first reconnect. And then, of course, on the drive home or whatever. But it's it's that that reconnective time, that really intimate reconnective time that makes this entire process for us worth it. And it's unfortunately, I think for me, it's diminished when we are in the same room and we actually experience the same things that you know each of us are experiencing because the, the fantasy is kind of removed a little bit. The mystery is removed a little, right? You don't really have the same, at least for me, I don't have the same thoughts going through my head. What was she experiencing? What was she? What did she sound like? And what did it feel like? And you know, all those things, you lose those if you're actually there. Yeah. I think you just touched on another soft limit, though, that has evolved greatly over time, which is in the beginning, we didn't necessarily expect that we were going to want friendships with the people we were having sex with. Well, we said very early on, 
We want to be friends with the couples. We don't want to be friends with the single people, right? That was kind of our thing. Which made no sense looking at it. Zero sense. Zero sense. Where was the logic in that? We were just looking for reasons to get in our own way. And and listen, we still do it to some degree. We talk about this. A lot of times we can talk ourselves out of a good time. We have to really focus to be sure that we don't. And we've recently been doing much better at that. But initially, it was, we're going to be friends with the couples. Like, that was a hard limit for us. We were not going to just not be friends. Everyone we played with that was a couple, we wanted to really be friends with. Yeah, we didn't want to do the randoms, yeah. random scenarios with the couples, but we were right. totally okay doing that with the single people. Right. And Once again, no logic. But. No, not only no logic, but as it turns out, the single folks that we have played with in this space and have known, they're our friends. They have been our friends for years now. It didn't make any sense at all. Yeah, interesting one. Some of them you look back on, you kind of shake your head like, yeah, what were we thinking? There? I shake my head on a lot of it because for the most part, all of the rules that you and I kind of put in place with uh, with some exceptions, which of course we'll talk about, they've all gone by the wayside. Yeah. It's kind of crazy when you think about it. Okay, so let's talk about some of the soft limits that we still have in place, but are soft limits for a reason. Okay, what do you got? Well, for example, if we meet a couple, one of our soft limits has kind of always been we don't typically play on the first meeting. We like to meet people, we like to connect with them, chat, and then potentially set up time to play at a later time. Yes, which is strange if you think about it for us, because when it comes to the single folks, not the same rule. Again, why? Well, for me, I know why. We've talked about this before. To some degree, for me, when we meet a couple, it really takes me a little time to warm up two people, right? Well, now it's not one person. It's two people. And I'm also, if we're in a situation where, for example, we're out and we're having drinks with a couple we've just met for the first time, I'm trying to get a feel for not one, but two people. So I'm trying to determine, for example, let's just say this is a heteronormative couple. I'm trying to determine that there's chemistry between she and I. And at the same time, I'm trying to determine that there's chemistry between you and he and he and I, because I need to like him before he gets naked with you. And I need to know that you're actually into that person or am I just spinning my wheels with the, with the lady of the couple? All those things are going through my head. And after we have some time to spend with a couple, then I like to get with you and kind of exchange notes and see where, you know, how you thought the the interaction went and what do you think about them and do you see a connection? That's just, I think, for me, the most comfortable way to do it. When it comes to a single person, you and I have that down. Like, we can look at each other. We don't have to say a word. Yes, but let's play devil's advocate here for a second, okay? okay? So there was a situation when we were in Orlando and we were staying at a resort and we had this gentleman come over that you had been communicating with digitally. I really didn't get to know him at all. In fact, this was kind of sprung on me as a surprise. He comes over, we sit with him for half hour, 45 minutes, and then you leave and he and I engage in sex. Right. Okay. So you didn't really have time to decide if you liked him or not. You got a, a chance via digital communication, but someone in person can be very different than they are via you know, texting or kick or whatever. Right. So you didn't really get a chance to feel the guy out. And you certainly didn't get a chance to understand if I really enjoyed the guy. And yet we went forward with it because it was an exciting experience with an attractive man that I was excited about being naked with. Yeah. And for me, in that particular situation, I was really more concerned about him being who he said he was. That that was my biggest thing. Like, okay, I'm, I'm communicating with you digitally. 
I see some images of you. I want to make sure that the guy I'm talking to is actually the guy that's going to show up. And as soon as I realized it was the same guy and he, you know, he spoke the same way and you know the conversation was basically the same as what he and I had and he was the genuine article, I felt much more comfortable about the entire situation. I also knew that you were attracted to him. And I, I felt like in that moment, if there were any issues, once I had ex- excused myself, you would have made that clear to me as you would in any other circumstance. And again, like you said, because of the situation in its entirety, it was sexy. It was taboo to some degree. And it seemed like we were both on the same page. So I was okay in that particular situation. So my point is, I think that we should expand that soft limit to include couples in that in that scenario. There are going to be times, I'm 100% convinced, if we allow it to happen, where if we go into a situation and it's exciting to us for whatever reason, and we just go with the flow and allow things to happen, that we could play with a couple the first time we meet them. If we don't have that mental block of a limit where we don't play with couples on the first meeting. Well, I think that is possible. However, I can tell you for me, because as you're saying it, of course, my heart rate goes up because I start, <laughs> you know, all the scenarios start running through my head. The truth of the matter is, and again, we have talked about this, the couples that you and I have played with together, we can very literally count on one hand. In fact, the couples that we can count on one hand are absolutely our friends. We have known them for a period of time. Well, I'm not saying we have to be in the same room. Right. Well, let me get to it. Okay. We have spent at least the equal amount of vanilla time with them as we have naked time or even more so. So for you and I to meet a couple... And on the first interaction, decide, and of course, you know, they decide, so with consent with everybody, we're going to have some adult time. That couple is going to have to be really unique for us because part of why I have a kind of a block when it comes to playing with couples outright uh, when we first meet them is because you and I do have that separate room play. We prefer that, and that's not the norm in the space. So even when we meet couples who say, oh yeah, we we do play a part, but you know, we like to play together, but we'll play a part, that's almost for me a red flag because it's like, well, are you just saying that because you want to meet us and you're hoping you're going to be able to talk us into it or you're hoping that the connection is going to be so good that we're just going to be okay with it? So it's going to have to be a unique situation. That couple is going to really have to be very much like us in terms of their play dynamic for that to happen. And we're really going to have to like them. I'm just saying we should be maybe open to it. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Well, I don't, I don't think at this point, like you and I talked about prior to even recording, I don't think that we're not open to a lot of things. It's really just a, it's that mental blockage that, that kind of gets in the way. I think what we should, we should also maybe talk about and consider here is that some of our soft limits over time have become preferences yes. rather than limits. And I right. do think that that is one that for us has started to shift from a soft limit to a preference. Same thing with same room versus separate room. Right. We sincerely prefer separate room play for the right couple in the right scenario, which has just recently happened. Yep. We will consider same room play. So it's not a limit. It's simply a preference. Yeah. But the other thing I thought about, because of course that experience that you just referenced was so amazing. And, and we just, that couple, we just love that couple. They're awesome people. When you think about the number of experiences that you and I have had with couples, in the same room, on the same bed, typical couple swap type situation. 50% of those couples have been soft swap for the most part. Yeah, it's true. And they have been amazing experiences. Yeah. Our first soft swap was off the chart. 
And the, the second soft swap that we just recently experienced far and away exceeded that. So the two experiences that we have had that have been soft swaps with couples in the same room, on the same bed, typical scenario, have been two of the best couple experiences we've ever had. So maybe that's our preference. It may very same well be. Same room, soft swap, separate room, full swap. <laughs> yep. I mean, stranger things, right? I mean, it, it, it genuinely works for us. Yeah. It works in every imaginable way because we still get to experience this kind of heightened sexuality and intensity with a couple that we're genuinely attracted to and interested in in being with we you and I get to experience each other in those moments and then of course we are completely built up with this internal combustible heat yes and we get out of that situation and get home and get back together and it's fireworks yes fireworks for hours <laughs> and yeah so that i think for me i mean it makes so much sense right but when it comes to full swap i don't want to know it all i want some of that mystery yeah. because that's what gets the juices flowing for me yeah and once again we can communicate that preference to people and also be open to the fact that if in the right scenario we want to deviate from said formula we can yeah there, I, there yeah. are no rules here we don't have to say this is what we do only and we're never going to get away from that no i think communicating what it is we prefer to people and letting it be known that this isn't typically we don't typically get away from this is equally as powerful and and puts us in a position where you know we're not closing the door on things but we're also not setting unrealistic expectations with people no and also and we haven't even gotten to it yet but we really do have very few hard steadfast rules yeah, we'll that frankly <laughs> have not deviated we have not deviated from them at all from day one and i don't see any any plausible path to doing so at this point so for me i i would say if someone were to ask are you guys open to x y and z with the exception of our very few hard steadfast policies as we i'll call them policies because they're not negotiable yeah, we're open, but it's got to be right for us. Sure. That, I mean, that's really what it boils down to. Yeah. Well, should we get to our hard limits then? <laughs> yeah, it's a short conversation. There's not a lot. <laughs> no, and I think what's really interesting is we have held the same hard limits throughout our entire swinging experience. They really haven't changed. We really haven't added many to them. No. Well, no. with the exception of maybe one. But yep. Well, there. yes, and of course, we should also say that, that now you and I have determined over time and through trial and error, there are some things that we are not going to discuss with people because it's, especially on the first interaction, there are some conversations that we are simply not going to have because the answers to those questions and to those, to the belief system that people have will absolutely turn a situation for us on a dime. It will derail everything. Yeah, I, because yeah. we have very, very strong beliefs in things. Yes. And it's something I love about us. And it's also something that can complicate the lifestyle for us. Because yeah. the lifestyle we've talked many times is like this microcosm of the world at large. Mm -hmm. And you have all sorts of different people that make up the lifestyle, which I think is actually a really awesome, beautiful thing. But at the same time, it can very easily result in us butting heads with people that if we didn't have those conversations with them they could we could have a lot of fun with them yep. now i will say that's very different if it's going to be a friendship if it's a true friendship no that's very different than hey we're going to meet this couple we 
may meet a couple of times, we're going to hook up, and that's going to be the end of it. Yeah, that's a very different conversation. Friends and friends and play partners, not the same thing. If they're a play, not necessarily, they're right. not synonymous. They are not. They're yeah. They they can very easily be divorced from one another. But yes, if we're going to be friends with someone or with a couple, that's a different situation. But when it comes to to simply meeting someone, meeting a couple, playing with them, with no you know, real plan on it being a long-term situation, whether it's a geography thing or whatever, we're not having that, we're not having those conversations. Sure. So on a first meeting, a hard limit that we've set on ourselves is we are not talking religion. We are not talking politics. No. We are not talking, I guess, a lot of things. Honestly, we're keeping it pretty surface level. (laughs) Yeah, we're not, yeah, we're not doing world affairs. We're not doing any of those things because we've gotten into situations where, uh, frankly, due to people's you know belief systems, it's like okay, check please, we are out. Yeah, and if they start talking about it, a hard limit for me is if I can tell that they are very much the polar opposite in terms of my belief system, I literally cannot get naked with them. No, so no. if they start talking about it, I have to back away. Well, you had a situation <laughs> like that with a single guy back home who was, by all accounts, could not have been further from a, a homophobe, but clearly was based on what he had said to you when you finally met him and it was an absolute catastrophe i mean you couldn't get out of there fast enough yes you know yeah and i'm not the type that's going to sit and argue with someone it's a hard limit yeah, for me yeah, no to debate just, i walk away now and it's something that we have discussed is like when if people bring those things up in their profiles if you know they're saying things like if you're this or you're that swipe left swipe right whatever we step away because to us like it's a secular space and we don't want to talk about those things yeah that's not the, it's not the place for it certainly so that is something i think that you and i have kind of added to the the hard limit policy uh you know book if you will but it's not a lot more than that i mean in fact i think we've we have subtracted far more than we've added over time i think another one that we should discuss is smoking oh uh, listen <laughs> i'm probably going to offend a whole lot of folks out there but i am sorry i cannot it, it goes back to literally goes back to childhood for me so i am probably one of the very few people on the planet who have never smoked a cigarette or anything in my entire life i have zero desire to do so it is so repugnant to me that i simply i just can't i cannot get my head around it i just can't get around it it's not possible Yeah, and I I think for me, it's a little bit more of a soft limit, which we're going to talk about, because if you guys remember back, if if you guys have listened to our other podcast from Porch Swingers for any length of time, actually, you'll have to go way back for this one. Yeah. It was when we were still in Montana, and we went to an event, and it was the last event of that organizer we went to, because they were horrible. Oh, what what (laughs) crap. Total crap. But we met this couple there, and, and what was really interesting is we didn't typically find a lot of people we were uber attracted to at those events. It just was the nature of the events. Once again, we can count on one hand how many of those folks there were. Yes. And so this couple came in and they were incredibly attractive and we started kind of flirting with them and she and I became really flirtatious and she's touching me. And then eventually she asked if you and I wanted to go up to her room with her. Yeah. And as she's saying this, she's like, yeah, I really need to smoke a cigarette and some marijuana and then, you know, maybe we can go play. And as soon as you heard that, you were like, no, I'm, I'm out. Yeah. I was so into the moment and I was so into her that I probably would have given away my soft limit. I would have, I would have passed on said soft limit to go play. 
But for you, it is truly a hard limit. And yeah. as a result of that, we had to pass. And I was kind of a little bit butthurt about it in the moment. Well, and what's interesting is that as it turns out, that couple lived about five houses away from us in our subdivision. So they were they were so close to us, it was ridiculous. Now, we had met them in a town that was two hours away at this terrible event but they were neighbors you know we could have easily have been you know friendly with them to some degree as it turns out we never did see them again and didn't even see them at another event for that matter but you know yeah they were easily by far the most attractive couple at this event and there were probably 60 or 70 folks at this event they were attractive they were friendly they were certainly into us it does not matter how attractive somebody is the minute that conversation is started I'm out. I check out. It just doesn't matter to me. Yeah. And I think that that's a, that one is a really good example of we do have different limits and sometimes that's okay. And sometimes it's not. I think in the lifestyle specifically, if you are a couple that only plays together and you are a constant unit as you move through the lifestyle, you really do have to negotiate those limits and have the same ones Yes, because you're having the same experiences with the same people. You and I are lucky in a lot of ways in that we do operate very independently of each other in the lifestyle. And therefore, if I I met somebody who I was uber attracted to and was able to kind of look past the smoking, I could play with them and it wouldn't impact you in the slightest and vice versa, you not being willing to do that and you specifically seeking out non-smokers. So I think that that's one of those things that you just have to decide as a couple if you're going to be able to move independently or not. And if you're not, that's fine, but there's no negotiation when it comes to those things. I'm never going to be able to talk you into playing with a smoker. Nope, not going to happen. Don't and, care who it is. And I shouldn't ha- I shouldn't do that. I mean, yeah. th- that's your limit, and it is what it is. At the same time, I don't want to lose out on experiences with people because they smoke. Now, I will not play with somebody if I can tell they have just smoked. Right. I think it's important to note, though, there are different types of smokers, and you have played with vape smokers. I have, and it is not a preference, certainly. But it's not a hard limit for you, then. But that's not necessarily a hard limit. There is, it's hard for me to explain, there's just this stigma around it, and of course the smell, and the, it's a, it is just, it literally makes my stomach turn, and I just can't, I cannot get around the cigarette smoking, I just can't do it. There's no way, this, I've been this way my entire life, there is no way I could I could wrap my head around that being okay. Yeah, and please know, if you guys are listening to us right now and you're a smoker, we're not judging you whatsoever. This is simply how we feel about something in terms of people's habits and interacting with them. Yeah. If you're a smoker and you like smoking, keep on doing it, but you're not, yeah. You're never going to play with Brian. <laughs> yeah, light, yeah, listen, do you. Light them up. Don't care. There are pl- There's plenty of shit that I do that people don't like, so uh, I'm not saying that at all. It is simply a preference for me. As I said, it goes back to childhood. But it's childhood. not a preference. It's a hard limit. Uh, yeah, well, it is, yeah, it is 100% a hard limit, and it goes back to childhood. The truth of the matter is, I don't know that I've ever had, I don't have friends that smoke. I mean, I, not like from as when I was a kid, it wasn't like I hung out with a group of guys that were smoking behind the, the, the gymnasium kind of thing. It was never my thing. It, it just is something that ha- has affected me since I was a kid. It is uh, no way I'm getting around it. Not yeah, at this point. I would say for me, it's a soft limit because even on our profiles, it says no smokers. And I would, of course, prefer sincerely to play with people who don't smoke. And it would really take a lot of attraction for me to play with a smoker. Yeah. Because I don't like the smell either. If I can smell or taste taste it on you, yeah, I'm out. there is literally no way I can move forward. No, 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 no. Cannot do it. 
Can't do it. You and I will walk into places or walk around. We'll be near a place. We actually just went for drinks at a place. And oh, it yeah. was fun. I mean, there was music going. It was a really great atmosphere. But there were two people next to us smoking at the bar. Yeah. And I was like, I can't even enjoy my drink. No, we gotta it, go. No, I'm not gonna no, I'm not gonna sit at a bar and get cancer. I'm out. Can't do it. And it was it was horrendous. So even when we walked into a there was a place we were walking into. There were two people outside the door smoking. We turned around and left because there was no way I could walk in that door. Yeah, you know it just it just affects me differently. I think than a lot of people. So it's a hard hard pass for me. Now, there are also limits that we have set, hard limits that are easy for us to stick to. There's really no conversation about it because we have set it from the beginning and we have stuck with it and it's a very shared hard limit and that's condom usage. I think that's our only other big hard limit. It is the biggest hard limit and I don't see a situation in any way that that ever changes. And while I say that, of course, I'm thinking to myself, we're talking about the potentiality of being in very serious polyamorous relationships or in a polyamorous relationship. And I think that's about the only way I could ever see something like that coming to fruition. And even that is so far in the distance for me. It's just so far out there. I don't, I'm not hundred percent sure that's a conversation you and I have not had yet because it, it hasn't been an issue. But I think when it comes to a genuine relationship that either myself or you and I, or you are in with someone, it certainly would have to be a discussion over time. Yes. But that's it. Yeah, and I, I think polyamory is very different than swinging. We're talking limits in terms oh, of our and swinging journey, not necessarily in terms of our non-monogamous journey, because I think that that's one that is very different as you develop a relationship and as you sincerely trust someone and have a romantic connection with them. Right. But yeah, in terms of our swinging journey, that's it's not even a negotiation. Nope. In fact, we will go so far as if there's a profile that says things like "vas has had a vasectomy, vasectomy safe." Yeah, uh, that's a that's a that basically is an indicator that that person doesn't play with condoms they're just not coming out and saying it i've had a vasectomy as well it doesn't stop me from playing with condoms it, it, it that's not the reason you have a vasectomy yeah on fetlife on kink websites for example if i see something like breeding fantasy or those types of things cream pie fantasy yeah. i don't even bother responding to messages because it's like no. we're just so far away in terms of our values and in terms of the ways that we choose to keep each ourselves and each other safe in the lifestyle well listen you and i have both on separate occasions walked away from play sessions mid play session because our respective partner did not want to use a condom yeah or put a condom on only to tell me that he didn't want didn't wasn't able to yeah. get hard with it on couldn't yeah. keep a condom on yeah. yeah and i was with a gal who did not want me to use condoms literally never came up in conversation shame on me because i didn't make it 100 percent clear to begin with but of course my thought was certainly you're going to want me to wear a condom. Not the case. Yeah, but that's we know now that that is so far removed from reality because there are surveys that have come out that show that something like 40% of non-monogamous people don't use a condom every time they play. It, that's an insanely high number. Well, and when it, and you know, how many times we heard have we heard this this crap excuse? Well, you know, I just don't like the way they feel. We are not here to sell condoms, but I use a condom and that you very literally, the first time I started using them, I was concerned because I felt like it had come off. Yeah. It is so thin and so light, it will actually throw you off because it was messing with my mind. I'm thinking, this thing, I clearly must have lost this thing somehow. Nope, it was there. It's 
it is so thin it's non-existent. So that excuse out the window. This isn't the 70s anymore. They're very different types of condoms. Yes. Figure it out. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, that's, like I said, a very easy one for us. It's one that we, neither of us have any interest in deviating from. And so it's just, it's an easy one. And it's one that we, I'm sure, will continue as long as we're in the lifestyle. Yeah, again, until it becomes a question having to do with a polyamorous dynamic for either one of us or both of us, uh, it, it's not even a conversation. It's Again, it's a hard no. Yep, absolutely. So, I mean, I'm sure that as time goes on, those limits will change without the, with the exception of the condom one. There, you know, things ebb and flow. Things change yeah. in terms of limits and also in terms of priorities. They have I, for us. Absolutely. And I think that they'll continue to. My point is, you should always be revisiting those limits and you should always be questioning them. We just did it during this conversation, the whole limit of we're not going to play with couples on the first meeting. Totally willing to do it with single people, but for whatever reason, not with couples. I'm not sure that that logic is 100% there, but by talking through it and understanding why we have maybe those preconceived notions or some concerns or reservations, we understand better why we have certain limits and which ones need to be stuck to and which ones maybe need to be revisited. Well, think about this past uh, weekend, the experiences that we just had. For me personally, how quickly these soft limits for me, because of the couple that we were with, or I should say the gal of the couple that I was with there, friends of ours at this point, uh, and have been for a, a period of time now, because of my relationship with them and with her, I completely separated myself from what I would have told you a month ago was a very real limit for me. And and that was playing in a playroom, in a public space right. with with someone who wasn't my primary partner. That was a conversation that I would never have even considered having up until this particular situation because it was just right. And I think you just proved what my next point was going to be, which is discussing with your partner preferences versus limits. Those are two very different things and they need to be treated differently. Preferences are things that in a perfect world would work out as you want them to. Limits are things that you will not do or you must have in a situation in order to feel comfortable moving forward. Two very different things and like I said, it's two different ways of navigating them based on how much emphasis you place on them. And like Brian said at the beginning of this whole thing, I think that it's so important to set those limits and to have as many as you feel like you need in order to feel comfortable moving forward, but also be flexible. You're not going to have the same limits the entire time that you're in the lifestyle. There may be new limits that need to be put in place based on experiences you have, and that's totally okay too. But to go into the lifestyle, to go into interactions with zero limits is a recipe for disaster. And it's something that can result in, you know, hurt feelings, uh, train wreck situations, you name it. Yeah, having those, those limits in place and subtracting them later is a much safer, I think, healthier way to go about this because not having them and just kind of jumping in, you know, hip deep and having a, a terrible experience, you know, or an unpleasant experience... It may you may retract and you may miss out on other potentially really great experiences because you didn't have those limits in place. You could always try them later, you know, better to have them and not need them than need them and not have them. Absolutely. So if you would like to discuss your limits or setting limits, you want a little bit of moderation in terms of setting limits with your partner, we would love to assist you with that. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but we have 
coaching individualized sessions via our website sexonyourterms.com. You can book a free consultative call with us there. You can also email us directly at sexonyourterms at gmail.com if you have a question or a comment for us. And we hope that you'll follow us on social media. We're both on Twitter and Instagram at sexonyourterms. So come follow us there. Join in on the fun. And that is what we have for you this time. So until next time, we hope you enjoy Sex on Your Terms.